right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you as we uh, barrel towards the end of the season. Hold on for dear life. It's not... It's not. It's not pretty right now. You know. It's like you're just. It's you're on. You're on. A, you're on a swing. You know. And it's like it's on one of those bad swing sets. You know. And it's like you can see that there's like a chain break in. There's like the the wood has major cracks on the top. You're hearing the creak a little too hard as you go back and forth. And you, you just just hang on. It's probably gonna hurt at some point, but just hang on and get to the end. You know what I'm doing? I'm holding my four fingers up. You know, it's the fourth quarter of the season. We we gotta let everyone know that we know it's the fourth quarter. This is when it gets important. This yeah. is when we do our best work. No, so. we, we we should what we should do is on the way into the stadium. We should do it yes. Butch Jones style, and we should r- all run and chest bump in the air four times. For Mike just DeWine no, would not like that. No apparent reason. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, make sure make sure you do it right before a big play, so you're super tired right before you go in. Uh, all right, uh, so we've got some stuff to get to. Uh, we're, we, you know, we've reached this point in the season. Uh, we've been in it really, but we've certainly reached it now, where we're there's just so much attention on repercussions for 2021. It's, it's been that way, and we're going to continue focusing on that. And so today, we've got a couple of different things up here uh, on the site. We're going to talk a little bit about I have my 2021 sort of two deep roster projection up, which is a matter of looking at free agent targets, draft picks, salary cat cuts. You've got, uh, you know, who's going to be back? Who's going to get an extension? Who will they let go? Um, you know, they're, they're basically a full picture of what the 21 roster could, should, will Look like so we'll kind of we're going to kind of dive through that, which has some interesting decisions in it. Uh, Jay has a great piece up on Carl Lawson right now um, that is really an in depth look at a question that I feel like we do ask ourselves a lot: is like, is Carl Lawson a good pass rusher? Is he a great pass rusher? Is he not a good pass rusher? There's sort of like a weird like, what is that? And so there's a, a real deep dive uh, going into Carl Lawson as a player, which is very relevant as one of the most interesting free agent cases for this team this off season. Uh, we will take a look at Jay's got some good stats, which is going to have us give us a chance to talk about some old school teams, which I'm very excited about. Historically sad is always historically good, in my opinion. Uh, teams you have never heard of. I mean, that is just that's a Christmas gift in itself for me. That's my <laughs> little Saint Nick's in my stocking. You, you know, the, a Dayton Triangles in my stocking is all I need. But if you go more obscure, I'm even I'm even happier. Oh. It is more obscure. We, we, we've heard of the triangles are old hat now. These these are teams I never knew existed. <laughs> In cities I never knew existed. Oh, wow. New cities. Uh, okay, so we've got all that stuff to get to. I want to uh, remind everybody on Thursday on The Growler, we will continue at Dalton Week. Andy Dalton will come to town and uh, see if he can <laughs> – Stick it to his former team and the coach that benched him and so much more. Uh, and so we'll have more on that. We're going to talk to John Machada, our guy in Dallas, about how the Dalton era and everything else has been going there. Not super, uh, but some insight from the Cowboys side of things. Uh, also, reminder, we have our buy one, gift one promotion going on right now. So you missed on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, everything. You missed on that. Bad whiff on your part. Tough break. But we have buy one, gift one going on right now. So you buy one for yourself. You can also send one uh, to somebody else for free. So little, you've got that going for you if you, you missed, but you still want to give the gift of the athletic. We would love for you to do it. That's all our coverage across the entire umbrella, 400-plus reporters across the globe um, on one small price. So hopefully you, would, you will subscribe. We'd love to have you. All right, let's, uh, let's dive a little bit into the roster conversation for next year and, and, and I enjoy doing this exercise for a couple of reasons one a chance to kind of take all of the nuggets you pick up over the course of a season stuff that you don't really write um, that you just kind of have knowledge of and it's a chance to put it all into one place and a th- and real thoughts on what we believe to be educated guesses I would say on the direction of the roster now there's a bit of a caveat here because, again, this is probably centered on this staff's version of the roster. This staff will not come back looking the same regardless of whether they 
retain Zach Taylor for year three or not. But um, if you still have the same head coach, you know more specifically their direction that they want to go. Uh, that's been apparent. It's been laid out for a couple of years. We've heard it, seen it, watched it. So if you bring in somebody new, you start the rebuild over again, right? And you have different opinions and different culture talk and new people that they want and that don't fit into the new scheme. And you're kind of start over a little bit. So you do have to be wary of that. If you have a new coach come in, you're going to see some of the ideas change of maybe where you thought this roster is moving in the right direction. You do go a little bit back to square one uh, if that happens. So that is sort of the caveat in this. This is kind of a little bit of a middle ground approach where even a new coach would come in and this is still the picture at their hands. So let's talk about it. Uh, let's just go position by position as I have it broken down on here, which is just two deeps. Uh, Joe Burrow starting quarterback. You might be familiar with that. Obviously the unknowns about what's going to happen with him as far as specifically how many games will he play? Will he see the preseason? Will he miss games in the regular season? Uh, what does that timeline look like? Nobody knows. Nobody can say for certain on that right now. So what does that mean? It means you better have a really good backup. This is, this is the year to do what they probably should have done last year. Um, and that is invest in one of these former starting quarterback, high-end backups that can win you some games because you're probably going to need them to do that pretty quickly. I like to have fun with these sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I say Andy Dalton is my – wouldn't that be something? You know, be I, I'm actually curious if we – assuming we're going to get a chance to talk to him this week, I, we have – you know, messages into Dallas to they're playing on Tuesday nights. It's all very weird right now, but we'll talk to Andy at some point. I'm curious if he would be open to coming back here. If that would be something that he would even be open to a guy, you know, a guy who knows the city guy who's comfortable here. He knows even some of your personnel, your receivers, well, at least he'd know Tyler Boyd, <laughs> uh, but you know, you, but you've got, you got, Comfort in the city, comfort familiarity here. That we know the front office likes to bring back people they know. So I throw that in there as a name. Andy Dalton comes back and he's your quarterback for whatever you need him for. Otherwise, he's your backup. Basically serving the same role he did in Dallas this year. I don't see it happening. <laughs> it's fair. I, fair. I, I don't. I just I, I think Andy's want to go gonna want to go somewhere where he can start. And yes, maybe he could start while Joe is is mending if he's not back, but he's clearly going to be number two whenever joe's healthy who's bringing andy and, in the start right now anywhere though i mean there could be teams i, I mean so has he, maybe how not, has he looked maybe not named a starter but to have a legitimate shot to win the job um but yes and that that remains to be seen too i mean as bad as dallas is overall that overall they are in a playoff race and if they get hot in december and go into the playoffs and win a playoff game, Andy does for the first time something crazy like that, his stock goes up. So the other thing is if Zach's back, I don't think Andy's back. I don't I don't I don't think there's major friction there, but I I I could see it being more likely if the Bengals go a different direction at head coach. Um if if Andy's gonna have his choices of places to go, even if it's to back up, I think he's gonna go somewhere different than here um because it does i mean if he's gonna go it, part of it's gonna be a chance to play part of it's gonna be a chance to win and really neither of those are gonna be in play in 2021 maybe maybe 2020 i don't know things could turn around for this Bengals team next year with a healthy joe burrow and but i just it just doesn't it would be fun it would be great for us andy's a great guy um i'm sure he would he loved the city did a lot of great work here, but I, I just think there's going to be other options for him and other options for this franchise. Although, I don't know, selling a backup quarterback job when you've got a bona fide number one in Joe Burrow and a, a history of losing, um, it, it might be a tough sell to get get somebody here. One of the guys you mentioned, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's, what is he, 38 now, seven kids. I don't, I don't <laughs> think he's going to be interested in he's being a backup. He's been here before. Well, I mean, you know what, he's, I mean... Again, we're, we're talking about a subset of guys that are not going to be handed starting jobs pretty much anywhere. Fitzy was lucky to get that. And maybe there is somebody who drafts a rookie next year who wants to let him learn under Fitzy like Tua did, and, and, and they do. I'm just saying, it's this guys that we saw this last year. You know, these guys that 
ended up the back end. They did, weren't handed. They were free agents. They ended up on the back end of the musical chairs. Winston, Trubisky will be that. Um, you'll you'll see about five to six, seven guys that have been maybe even starters the last few years or played a lot of games and even won some games. But they're not going to be handed starting jobs anywhere or going to be looking for a place where they can come in. And if you don't know if Burrow is going to be able to play, you can pay him a little extra, you know, than they're willing to get. You can buy it out a little bit to give yourself protection there for whatever is going on with Burrow. Because by the time when you're making this move in March, you're not going to have certainty on Burrow's timeline at that point still. I mean, you're just not. And so you're going to have to. The point is, though, they're going to have to go into it somewhere. Those are the types of names, you know. Fitzpatrick, Winston, Trubisky, Dalton. This is that is your area. That's your area of player. I think you're looking at. I don't. To, I mean, to me, I think we've established Allen, Finley, Deuces gone. Like, or at least Finley's going to be in some sort of practice squad scenario, probably. Um, but you know, we we've that's been established that they f that up. So you're you're going to have to bring in a real veteran starter who has won games in this league, can win you games for whatever you're going to need it for. You're depending on how Burroughs' timeline plays out. Maybe not at all, but maybe you will. So I, I do see them being aggressive in that area. Um, running back will stay the same. Giovanni Bernard under contract. Joe Mixon under contract. Um, it, you know, the interesting thing around that position at all right now is is whether Mixon returns this year. You know, I think his his injury turned into something they did not anticipate it being, obviously. Um and, you know, I think there's probably a decision, you know, Mixon tweets every Sunday about how he wishes he could be out there and wants to be out there with his guys. And so I, you know, I think he wants to be playing, but obviously it has turned into something a little more serious than they thought. And, you know, for me, for my money, if there's something that's a little more serious, you're thought to the point that you've had to shut a guy down, um, just shut it down. But what do you, what are you playing for? And I, and I know, you know, probably the head coach and the coaching staff and the front office would say, well, we're playing to win, right? Uh, but you know, you also just paid Joe Mixon for multiple years. You need him to be ready to go and fully 100% next year. I'm curious to see if he comes back at all this year, or if they do just opt to look at his future and shut him down. Yeah, I mean, it's a foot. A running back, you you don't want to take a chance on it being something that's. I mean, maybe not cost him games next year, but it, it could it could it if it's something that could have a long term effect where. It, it it wouldn't derail his career, but it would slow him down. It would it would prevent him from being the player he was. Why even take that chance? He's yes, they want to win. Yes, maybe Zach needs to win, but it, it just it, the risk reward there is not worth it. And and I I don't doubt the sincerity in Joe at all. You know that guy wants to be out there and he wants to play, but. Um, the, the, it's like Zach has said, I mean, there, sometimes you have to protect the player from the player and it just, it doesn't make sense to, to put him back out there right now. It, would he really, I mean, with this line, would he really even make that big of a difference? Uh, you're, you're actually probably exposing him to, to a greater chance of, of re-injuring that foot with the way things are going right now. Um, we, we talked about it before they signed him. How valuable is a running back? He he's not going to come in and be a difference maker, um, and even if he is, what what does a couple wins at this point mean? It just lowers your draft pick. Um, I I I just think that's the smart move to keep him on the sideline for the rest of the season. Yeah, I would. I mean, if there's any chance of some sort of long term impact coming from him playing out, mm-hmm. playing through something, the, he should be sidelined for sure. But you know, if, if if there's not, and that's up to the doctors. You know, that eventually at some point a doctor's got to say there is or there isn't a chance. And whatever you hear from them, I mean, I think that's where you have to go. And we sort of, that sort of sounds like that's been the approach that the team has taken to this point. Uh, all right, let's talk about wide receiver. So I think the, there's a there's a few obvious ones here. Um, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, uh, all under contract. Um, and so outside of that, we know AJ Green. We've, I mean, we've discussed this. It's over. He's he's going to be gone. That will be it. The team will let him walk. We'll see what his market ends up if he tries to find, try to revitalize himself somewhere else, and you know, essentially blame this place on what's happened this year. Um, I don't know what that will look like for him, but it isn't going to be here. I wouldn't think so. Uh, you, John Ross. We know that's over. Um, then you, so you're looking at that third receiver, right? You, you love Higgins wide receiver one Boyd, one of the best slot receivers in football. Auden Tate is a great four or five. Like 
that's a real. It's like you, you get these, you get starting rotations. And you're like, man, he's a really solid four. Like you need those guys. You're gonna need those guys. You want them. There's ways to use them. They're good for the room. That you want that depth. Love Auden Tate in that spot. You need a three. You you need a three, and you need a three that can take the top off. Um, boy, have have we been saying that? How long have we? <laughs> We've been saying that. Somebody with real explosion over the top a little bit more. Um, I look at, I, I go to Josh Reynolds, and his guy's gonna be a free agent. He was at the Rams. He's a real player. He is a real over the top player. He's been very good for the Rams in that offense. That system has familiarity with Zach Taylor. As, you know, again, we go back to the if Taylor is here, that helps. Um, I mean, he's he's a real guy, and he but he will not cost a lot. Here's going to be an interesting dynamic when we talk about what free agency is going to look like because. There's a lot of questions of will the Bengals go all in like they did last year? I don't think so. I, I don't. First of all, they have Sam Hubbard and Jesse Bates on their plate, right? So we're going to hear a lot about that. The big contracts that they're going to give to those guys as extensions, I would assume, in in the fall before the season starts. So you're going to hear a lot about paying those guys. It's going to go back to the year they paid, right? When they paid Gino and Carlos, or they've had these years where they've had big extensions that they have done. And Bates is going to get it. He deserves it. Everybody knows he should get it. Hubbard, they love in every way, shape, form, capacity, and they were going to want to pay him too. It makes sense. Draft developer Tain. But you're going to – because of the setup of what the either the cap and the revenue and cash on hand for these teams is going to look like, free agency, you're probably going to see a first wave and maybe some of a second, and then it's going to be all like scraps. Teams are not going to be wanting to go the little extra for the mid-range guy, for the second and third. And so you, I think you can see those guys come at a really good price. Josh Reynolds, you know, because to me, you're, you're saying, okay, are they going to, how aggressive would you be towards this position? I don't, there are, I mean, everything in the trenches needs to be way higher than this. Like this, this is sort of a, almost a luxury spot. You could even use a, a fourth round pick or a third round pick and maybe plug something in here. But I mean, a guy like a, like this, who's not going to be in that front wave. There are a lot of good receivers in this free agent class. A lot. Will Fuller, Godwin, Galladay. Like there's, there's a ton. And the draft class is going to have a ton. You can, they can find a wide receiver three and not have to break the bank for it. To me, if I'm as I was picking and sifting through those people, there's a lot of people you could go through. I plan it on Reynolds with the connections and what he does. Yeah, and I, I like that pick, uh, not just for the connections. I remember it was, I, I believe it was 2018, um, that the Rams had this rash of injuries at wide receiver, and Josh Reynolds kind of came out of nowhere. And he's not just a take the top off guy. I mean, he he's running crossers and just running away from people, and was turned into their number one for a while. I mean, he was making a lot of big plays, and um, yeah, you're right. He he's he's gonna have to settle for whatever his market value is. He's not going to be one of these break the bank guys. And um, you would assume that that there's that relationship there with Zach. I mean, he, he coached quarterbacks, he coached wide receivers. Um, we saw Mike Thomas come here from the Rams because he's comfortable with Zach. Uh, I, I don't think the, the, the history um, of this franchise is, is something that would scare Josh Reynolds off. Uh, but the, the, the question there is if Zach is back, if, if Zach is not back, um, uh, Josh Reynolds is still in play, but I think if Zach is back, he's he is an ideal fit. I like that one, and you've got him taking a, a day three wide receiver too, a slot guy. Yeah. Which same thing. I mean, you you're starting with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. That is a great place to start. Um, so you don't you don't need to to get go get one of these like really big targets at that position. As you said, there's so many other positions that that need to be addressed. Um, I. I don't know off the top of my head who would fit in that. I haven't gone in <laughs> as much as we've looked ahead to the draft already. I haven't gone quite that deep. Probably not looking at fifth round slot receivers not, yet. <laughs> not yet, but it won't be long. No. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's the, the, the biggest question on that list with, for me is, is the Alex Erickson one. Um, I, 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 he doesn't bring enough value as a receiver and, and we're seeing him, you know, being phased out by Brandon Wilson as a kick returner. He's still the number one 
punt returner on the team, but you can find other guys to do that, um, especially if you're going to sign some of these mid middling wide receivers. Those guys can do it um, if, if they get better at cornerback. Darius Phillips can fill into that role. So um, ha- have really enjoyed covering Alex over his career, but I, I do agree with you that he's he's probably on that displaced list with A.J. Green and John Ross. Yep. Point being at receiver is you have – Depth in free agency, depth in the draft, and you just need a depth piece, kind of, because you have the top end taken care of already at receiver. It's a it's a natural fit to take advantage of depth in one of those two places to fill that three and maybe even the back end of that room. Uh, tight end, I think it's pretty simple, and I sort of, you know, when I was addressing this, I, I, I was kind of been surprised as people have started to talk about the draft, and I think, I don't know if people just love Kyle Pitts or somebody else has mentioned him and people have taken off. I see, like, this, people talk about tight ends, and I... Look, CJ's going to come back. Achilles makes me nervous, but he's young enough still, uh, and it's only one. I, I think he'll come back fine. CJ had a nice rapport with Burrow going. It was early, honestly, but, I mean, I think you, you like what he has been the last couple of years. Drew Sample, I think, is a, a nice number, too. Like, he, you know, like you saw Sunday, he, he can do some things for you that you really like as a second tight end. Like, he can catch the ball. He can he can block for you pretty good. He's, you know, do you is he an, in a great offense? Is he an ideal number one? No, but he's a nice number two in a, in a really good offense. And I think CJ can be a really good tight end, too. I, I, I like that combo. I I don't see them aggressively attacking that, trying to add an Eifert type or something like that. Uh, it's just not something I see happening. And so I think you'll see the, the same two back. Maybe they add, try to get a receiving tight end on day three or something to that effect or in the bargain basement of free agency and, and plop them into the back of the room to be better than obviously, you know, the Shrek thing hasn't worked out. Ethan Carter's your special teams guy. Um, He'll be on the team still, but you know, if you want to try to have that element, you can take a shot on a developmental piece there. Yeah, when you have a really good roster, you can you can go high end there with like a Rain Gresham in twenty ten or Tyler Eifert in uh, twenty twelve or what, what whatever you thirteen you thirteen yeah you you can do that. But this this team, the way this roster is constructed right now, that that's that's probably eleven out of eleven. <laughs> if you're if you're counting special teams, then you know ten out of eleven, or however those work out. There's that is that is the bottom barrel of the priority right now. Um, e- even if you weren't happy or satisfied with CJ and Drew Sample, it's just not a need. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break to hear from a sponsor. There's a potential, I think, for the Bengals to have the widest differential between sacks given up and sacks gained this year. In in, in NFL history, obscure teams are going to be in it. Well, I guess t- since they did sacks. We're going to be limited to sack time. I would bet. I mean, there's a chance that they're – I mean, this is going to be – how many are they going to give up? Where, 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 do you think we, where do you think they'll end up? Well, they're they're at 44 right now through 12 games. So what's that? That comes to almost four a game. So you figure another 14 – Gets them to fifty eight, wow. which would be the franchise record. Yeah, and that number is going to be higher because you've got Finley and Allen back there holding mm-hmm. the ball, you know, for eight seconds. So you've got that, and potentially that, no Jonah, and potentially no Jonah, and every, all the mess going on up there. So yeah, that is not going to be pretty. And the Steelers and the Ravens still on the plate. So that that number, I mean, you're talking you're talking sixty in play. The Bengals have thirteen sacks. <laughs> <laughs> when has there been a differential? Like, they have just been absolutely. You know, I'm like, I'm a, they've been disemboweled in the trenches this year. Is that too aggressive? <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> a little aggressive. <laughs> That's how bad it's been. I'm willing to go there. It, it has just been awful. They have been destroyed in the thing that matters most, protecting the passer and rushing the passer in this league. Like, that. that's what it is. That's what the league is. And they are going to be historically awful at it. Every, everything they do outside of the positions where they literally don't have anybody, we'll talk about corner later, uh, is has to be focused on these two spots and those two elements. Protect the passer. Rush the passer. All effort and energy into this. So let's go to offensive line. I, I, you know, I think Jonah Williams at left tackle, you, you're comfortable with that or whatever they decide to do. If you end up with Sewell, we've talked about that. He Right, left, figure that out. Get the two good tackles in. Let them play tackle in whatever capacity you want. At this point, I said, Sewell at right, 
Jonah left to keep that development, whatever. I, I, I can we can get into that minutia at a long, later date. If you got those two guys, you're okay on the edges. Hopkins is is certainly serviceable. He's very intelligent. He's comfortable. They're comfortable with him. I'm fine with him there. The garbage. Here's to me what's going to happen. We 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 have seen the Bengals DNA be not to give emphasis to the guard position, not to try to have a great line. It's like they, they've tried to have a serviceable line. It's like, oh, if we can we can get it to serviceable. It's like they want to try to bargain basement their way to serviceable offensive lines. When, you know, their best run they've had here, best runs they've had here in the 80s or the five years in a row playoffs last decade are were defined by offensive line play, by great offensive lines. But yet there's like this unwillingness to invest money or draft capital. Now, I shouldn't say draft capital. <laughs> Failure to do it effectively on the line. You know what? It I, this has got to be that at some point this has to be the line in the sand, and I think it's going to be seen. Will they go aggressively after the guard position? Will they spend for it? Will they be willing to spend ten million dollars, twelve million dollars for a guard? Would they go one two in the draft on offensive line? You know, to me. That is going to be the thing if we see if they've changed their stripes, if they're going to try to get away with the same old games that they have. Because they have never been willing to pay guards. They have just never wanted to go there. And then to do that in free agency where they've only just, they're kind of just new to that game, to me, is going to be really interesting to see. Or do they say, you know, another year of Michael Jordan and Suofilo, you know, no. Try to have we. I mean, how many times have I yelled about this on this? Try to have a good line, like really go for it. They have to, and to me, that I don't know if they will. That's going to be the, the to me the tipping point of this entire offseason. How aggressively do you go after the guard position that you don't value, that you should value? That's getting Joe Burrow and all your quarterbacks killed, by the way. So you, I, I think that's going to be interesting. I mean, you can see them, uh, you know how they think. And you could see them saying, if they do get the three pick and take Panay Sewell, saying, oh, well, we've got two pillars on the outside. We can, we don't have to load up inside. Um, I, I could totally see them taking that approach. And, and maybe, maybe they, they do address the position early in the draft and try to do what Miami's doing and just throwing rookies in there and uh, getting their feet wet early and, and watch everything come together. Um, you've got them taking Joe Tooney um, in free agency on your projected two deep. Yes. I, I don't I mean, it, it seems like they would have to overpay substantially yes. to get him because he is going to be in high, high, high demand. And yes, he's from Dayton, Ohio. Um, so that the, the stand up no, Dayton, <laughs> the, the notion of coming <laughs> home would mean something. But uh, the, the other side of this is the, the salary cap is going to be lower. Teams are going to be spending less because of what the, the pandemic has done to revenue and, Who's going to take that on the chin? Free agents and specifically interior offensive linemen, free agents. I, I don't think those guys are going to get, nobody's going to get the money they would have gotten in a normal year, but especially those guys. So maybe, maybe that is leaving the door cracked open a little bit for Joe Tooney to come here. Um, I, I agree with the idea that, the, yes, take Sewell third if you get that pick and get a stud guard in free agency. I just don't know. He's cream of the crop. And I just don't know if they would a be willing to do that and B could even, could even pull it off. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the point is I think that the answers are not in house and you're going to have to go outside. I'm, I'm fine with taking all of your answers. You think you have in house and let them all fight it out for one of those two spots. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's fine. Whether you're talking about, uh, Suofilo, you're talking about moving somebody inside, you know, or letting Jordan be in that mix to see if he can figure something out. I mean, I, you know, I think we've seen 
It's a bad stretch for Michael Jordan. <laughs> yes. Bad stretch for Michael Jordan on top of a not a roll. He went from roller coaster to down. The roller coaster went off the rails, which is not good, by the way. Right, Jay? Or is that is that like a ride that you've been on once? And you that, I, saw that somebody dies. If it had a really good seatbelt, I would go for it. That would be really fun. I, that was that was one of my biggest nightmares growing up that would wake me up was a, a roller ca- coaster that like went a ramp and you were flying through the air and I would wake up before I hit the ground. <laughs> Most people fall off of buildings. I would I would be on roller coasters. Um, yeah, the, the thing I one thing I noticed yesterday because uh, I, I gave Zach I asked him they put Suafilo in for the final drive six snaps replaced him with Michael Jordan and. I asked him, was that just to shake the rust off or was that a, was that a benching of Michael Jordan? And he could have, you know, he could have taken the, the more politically correct way out and say, well, we just wanted to get Suofilo some work. And he, he basically said they needed to see something different that, that Michael Jordan had given up too many sacks and too many pressures. And it was time to see something different. And Past that, time. Yeah, pastime. That, <laughs> no, I'm, that, say, I'm saying it was. Oh pastime. yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 I don't understand. I, I don't for life of me understand how you start Michael Jordan in Miami. Like you have Suafilo, you, you you know you have Spain. Play those two guys. Like Jordan has been a liability, and you know it's I. I that's why I asked. Was it a conditioning thing? No, he he. It wasn't conditioning. It wasn't health. He could have played the whole game. They just went with Jordan, and that's error. Significant error. And he played awful. He PFF graded him at a seven point one pass blocking. It's like an impossibility. You have to basically just not touch anyone. But that's what it was like. I mean, you look at Kyle Van Noyce. I mean, he, Jordan can't even get a hand on the guy. He's just, just. I mean, it's and it has been. You know, Bobby Hart, Michael Jordan have been the players they have stand stood on the table for. Uh, on this offensive line, and they have and they have been huge whiffs, right? I mean, talk what we want to about serviceability of Bobby Hart. He still is who he is. Like, you know, you're still standing on the table for that guy. So I, you know, I, it's 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 an indictment. It's it's a total indictment. I, I don't understand that. And so may, I don't know if Suafilo is the answer or whatever. I know he was sort of he seemed to be a decent answer this off season before this injury. Uh, so I'm willing to to see him in there, and then but they, it's a matter of well, how aggressively do they go after that? Least Bobby Hart's contract is very easy to get out of. They'll save about six mil and only take on one mil of dead money. He's he, he's an obvious cap cut here. Um, I suppose you could keep him around as insurance as a swing tackle, um, but I think with Adenogy, maybe you have Fred still uh, as the like third and fourth. Um, the six million you could save with Bobby Hart go directly into paying that potential upgrade at guard. And so what do you, you know, to me, that makes an easy sense as a way to transition your cash. Um, let's go over to the defensive side here. Um, so uh, rush the passer, right? Like just rush the passer, find ways to do it. They, they got, they got none. They have no pass rush. They have Carl Lawson, Hubbard, you know, is is fine. I like Hubbard as a starter. They just have no interior pass rush. They need another actual edge rusher. Carl Lawson's contract is up. So I have projected too deep. We know Reader. Um, that's about all we really know. Uh, and Hubbard. I, I haven't broken up to interior and edge. So we'll start with interior. Ed, we know Reader. I, you know, Leonard Williams is out there from the Giants. I don't know if he would come here. Um the problem is this is the opposite of the receiver situation. The draft is not, you know, going to probably give you what you want there. The free agency doesn't have a lot to offer when you get to interior pass rusher types. And so I, for that reason, I, you could see people really going heavy after a guy like Leonard Williams. You would have to overpay to get him to come here. But what are you going to do? Like, How, how are you going to get interior pass rush? Let me tell you what you what, – I don't. You don't want to hear, and uh, you know what? It wouldn't stun me if I sold this. Gino was just hurt last year. It was just his shoulder, and that's why he's can't get a single stat. You know, hundred pass rushes now with two pressures. I yeah, mean, depending on who's Sport Raider has him with none, but yes. Uh, yes, I think PFF has him with two. Yeah, so I'm not gonna split hairs there. I'm just – now here's the problem, though. 5.2 mil in dead money 
on Geno Atkins. So you're, that's a big chunk to be eating, and they don't like to eat. Most teams would have no problem doing it because you're still you're saving ten million, and you're are you going to pay Geno Atkins fifteen million dollars next year? No. <laughs> Whew. So I mean, you know, you're just what are you going to do there? I mean, to me, I think you move on. You you eat it. You 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 just hey, it didn't work out. Everyone's sad about that, but it's time to move on there and figure something out. Take that ten million and put it towards going after a pass rusher. Now, does it have to be Leonard Williams? No. Could it be somebody on the edge? Yes. There are edge rushers. I go back to Shaq Barrett, a guy who two years ago they basically thought they were going to sign, and then there was an injury concern that popped up, and they and it didn't happen. Well, he looks fine. <laughs> looks plenty healthy. He's a top ten pass rush productivity guy. He's got a ton of sacks. I'm not going to. The sacks are fine. It's kind of a, the bottom line is he gets back there. He he's a disruptor. He is Carl Lawson times two, right? Carl Lawson is like Shaq Barrett light, and so you're go after a a hardcore edge rusher guy if that's what you're going to do, and and try to draft and develop something on the interior. Um, you know, maybe it's that second round pick, whatever that is. Somewhere, I think a high draft pick and a Big-time free agent needs to be some sort of pass rusher, preferably from the interior, but either one, it, it, it has to check one of those two boxes. The, I mean, the other op, like the edge rushers, it's kind of like receiver where you've got that solid base with Hubbard and Lawson if they bring Lawson back, which still, he, he same thing there. He he could be in the point where he's seen enough in Cincinnati and – and he's ready to test the market and move on. But if they can bring him back, you've got a solid base there. And I still like the idea of if you go get a Shaq Barrett or a, a guy like that where you can move – like Sam Hubbard can be a, a good interior rusher, pass rusher. He can He's a guy that can affect the quarterback from the inside as well as the outside. Now that's going to be – if they're looking to, to re-up with him – I don't know how those contract negotiations go or promises are made of, of, you know, how he's going to be used. But if you can't get a guy like a, a Leonard Williams, that that's an option there to, to have Sam Hubbard move inside. And then you have Carlos Basham also, um, who that that's probably a second round pick. I, I, I think he's, where was he in Dane Brugler's top fifty? I mean, he was. He was. Yeah, I mean, he was somewhere in the thirties, thirties yeah. or four, right, right around thirty, forty, something like that. But that that's that would be um, a huge advantage to getting a getting a quality edge rusher as as a rookie in the draft right right off the bat. Um, I just I think getting DJ Reader back automatically upgrades that whole entire defensive line. Sure. So. I would put more emphasis on getting the edge rusher. And if you can get a solid, maybe not top of the line guy, like interior, not necessarily Leonard Williams, but go get upgrade the edge guys. And then you can pair somebody next to DJ reader and it still have a good line. They're getting Josh Tupo back. He's more of a run stopper. Um, I, I just, that, that the edge is, way up here and the interior is a lot farther down as as far as I'm concerned of how they need to attack that defensive line. As long as there's somebody who could maybe get the occasional sack on third down. Like I think that that would probably help but the bottom line. Somebody and and probably multiple pieces. Yeah, I think you're going to see a, a high draft pick, a free agent splash coming there. Um yeah, we mentioned Hubbard extension coming for him. I would assume, you know, Lawson. Jay, d- dive into some of what you learned about Lawson when we talk about him as an elite passer. He's a disruptor. He's if you look at his pass rush productivity, he's a top twenty, twenty five, depending on what point in the season you looked at. And it's also hard to judge that when nobody else is getting pushed to help you disrupt. Um, but I mean. Is he? Because there's the sack numbers, the finishing is not necessarily there. The awareness doesn't appear to be there. What what did, what did you take away in your MythBusters series on on Lawson as a guy? And I'm curious what that means for him in free agency. Yeah, if you just distill it down to who he is, I I don't think he is an elite guy. Um, but he's he's never played on a great defense, and he's a guy that if you 
if you put him on a team with another really strong edge rusher and you put him on a team that actually has some leads in the fourth quarter where you can you can pin your ears back and you can really get after the quarterback, I, I think he could be a guy that's in the 10, 11 sack range. Um, he, he has improved his game in terms of he, – he came in, it was all speed. He was just the, that guy flying off the edge with, with speed and violence. Um, he, he's gotten better against the run, um, setting the edge, those type of things. I, I the the whole point of it was is he an elite rusher? I, I don't think he's an elite edge rusher. We we came to the conclusion that it's plausible, but but he's not right now. Um, I, I think this the the ball is in his court. The, the Bengals should bring him back. I think they want to bring him back. The question this offseason is, does Carl Lawson want to, to stay here? Um, does he what, – what changes are made on this defensive staff? What changes are made with the head coach? All those things are going to come into play. But you, you could see, as the case is with any losing team, you could see where maybe Carl has said, I've seen enough here. I'm going to go test my I'm going to go test my value somewhere else. That's and that's kind of an interesting piece. And, and if you want to get more to the numbers of that and and all the background on that, it's a great story in MythBuster series on Lawson. So go check that out on the site. Um, it, you when you get to I'm going to kind of skip over linebacker. That it, it's kind of what it, they addressed it last year. The draft picks have panned out well. Logan Wilson looks like a nice pick um you know binds probably though went back because for his leadership and and he's just a solid kind of first and second down starter guy you've got pratt davis gaither they're gonna develop i I don't see them they're gonna they're just gonna count on those guys to take the next step i think it's a fairly simple one to see how that goes corner you know this goes into the loss and discussion william jackson the third i think they'll have interest in bringing him back he's gonna be you know those are their two most prominent free agents they don't have much at corner. Like they have Trey Waynes and Darius Phillips really under contract of their real corners. That's it. They, so, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, William Jackson the third. You know, you're you're talking about big pieces here that they, they don't know what direction. It, does William Jackson the third want to come back here? Look, we know he's not always been happy here. <laughs> it's an understatement. And he's been inconsistent. And he has stretches where he's good. And I think he has he has contract yeared his ass off this year. You know, you can see it. He's got he's motivated. He sees the money. He's playing good. Like he's comp- he's super competitive. From a Bengal side of things, I I wonder if, if you worry at all about how he'll play once he gets the money. Uh, you know, and I from a William Jackson, I wonder how much he really wants to be here. Or if he doesn't look at the way other people that have gone elsewhere and been happier, and he's not always been very happy here, and you know, go play for Houston, where he's from. He's like Fifth Ward, you know. He's like Houston for life, right? Like or something like that, or go up, you know, wherever. You know, he seems to me, and this is more. This again this is educated guess. He seems to me more of a guy who just can't wait to go somewhere else in free agency. Yeah, I, I think that's been on the. That's been the writing's been on the wall there since they didn't pick up the, or since they didn't extend him. Um, right. I, and he he's talked openly about you know he he didn't like the idea of not being allowed to travel. They they've let him do that more of late. Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough to keep him here. He's just he's never he's never he hasn't been outwardly. Uh, critical or sulking he just he just doesn't have that that vibe about him that that he is enjoying this and that he likes being here and that he's he he likes the direction i mean it just it all feels disjointed and i he he so he more than lawson more than anybody else we've discussed here about that is going to have a chance to go elsewhere I, i think he is the one most likely to to say thanks, but no thanks. And there will be. I mean, he's not a Pro Bowl level shut down corner, but he's played better this year, as you said. He, he sees the money signs, and he's there's there's a market. The, the 
guys that can rush and guys that can cover are the ones that are, that are still going to get paid this offseason. And, and someone's going to throw a lot of money at William Jackson, and he's going to be more than happy to take that and move on. And go to a team that is knows they're paying him because they know what he does best. I think it's just so mm-hmm. oddly. He's a man cover when you if you are a man cover team and you want to do you like, hey, cover that guy, man cover all day, every day. If that's your philosophy, you love William Jackson. Like you're gonna he, he's a great number two and maybe a number one for for a good on a good defense. He's a number two on a really good defense, right? And so if that's what you are, there's gonna be the potential for that. It's, but so you leave the Bengals looking outside again, and I don't know about Mackenzie Alexander. I mean, you slot corners, you can find them. I think those will be guys that you'll find in that second wave bargain that get hit hard by the, you know, by the lack of cash on hand for teams. Um, so maybe you get, you know, Mackenzie Alexander was a bargain deal. You could you can re- replicate that type of guy probably, or bring him back. I, I don't. You know that's hard. One of those hard things. This locker room this year, like not being around. Like I don't feel like we really even know Mackenzie Alexander at all. <laughs> like, I, I, how many times have we talked to him? Like once, twice. After the whole thing with his dad, like yeah, I think it was just once. We can't get him on the zooms. We're not in the locker room. We have no clue who this dude is. No clue. Oh, he, he just looks like uh, barely right. And so it's it's really hard to make judgment calls. Uh, he's played okay. Whatever. I don't. Maybe he comes back in the same deal. Maybe not. I don't. You know, it's hard to know. So you're they're gonna ha- whether they're going out or something they're probably gonna have to spend money on a corner, I mean somewhere somehow, uh, and so that's gonna be part of where you also look at how much money do they actually have, you know? Uh, can they can they plug all these holes? Can they do the offensive lineman and the pass rusher and the corner? Yeah, probably, but ha- at what level? And then. You know, or is that where they have to sacrifice? But I don't know. But you know, you run into trouble, and then where does your picks come from? You know, if they if they win a game or two and they don't get Penny Sewell, you do have the top of this draft: Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech; Patrick Sertain, Alabama. Top Dane Brugler has both of them in the top five. Uh, guys, that could you, that's very real. First round quarter could be back, baby. <laughs> it could be back. You know, you could see them go in that direction potentially and use free agency. Um, to plug the other spots. At some point, though, they're going to need a, a really good corner or find or come to agreement with Will or whatever they do. All right, let's stop for one second and take a sponsor break. Safety is set. Jesse Bates, Vaughn Bell, Brandon Wilson, day three pick. John Williams will be gone. I think <laughs> I don't think there's anything more yeah. obvious at this point. Um, specialists, all three specialists are up, Jay. If Clark Harris wants to play football, they'll they'll happy they'll let him be a long snapper here till he's eighty. I think. Yeah. Um, same thing with Kevin Huber. It, you know, I think Kevin Huber has been a super solid punter, Mister Cincinnati. Everybody's happy with him here. I think Huber stays. Uh, Randy Bullock. I don't. I, I would. I think we could go the Jake Elliott route again. We could see a draft pick or und- a draft competition with Bullock. Bullock comes on some sort of one year deal. You know, they're not super happy. I mean, Austin Siebert's been here all year. He's missing some kicks. You know, we know all we know the clutch gene conversation with Randy. You know, certainly they're going to be looking to improve there. Um, whether that's, I don't see him going free agent. I see them mm-hmm. signing a Randy deal and having him compete with a draft pick again, or a college so, free agent. I, 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 if if they only have seven draft picks, I, yes. I'm not sure they'd be willing to spend one on a kicker. Right. Yes. Uh, so that kind of that kind of leaves it at that. I mean, we'll we'll see. It's kind of a broad view of of where things stand and where they can get money and who they can add and where the draft. But we the spots that you can see, I think, kind of shows where. And, and honestly, you know, look at offense, a real guard and draft. And if you get Sewell, and you have Higgins and Boyd and Mixon and you have CJ and like and Burrow, it's a real offense, man. Like that is a real offense. That is a offense that has the potential to be very dangerous. Fix the line. Be real about the line, and it has potential to be dangerous. The defense, I think, you're going to need a. a, a you're probably going to need a. You need a new defense coordinator, so, some new voice to help change things up to make things better there, and maybe bring in a few of their own pieces that can make make you believe and find a pass rush. You need you need a you need a new voice there. And I, I you know I would I, I at this point I don't know how it doesn't happen. Um, regardless that you have a new defensive coordinator next year. I mean, it just seems like writing's on the wall with that. He's been – just has that feel. Somebody's got to be a fall guy. 
So um, I, I think that's something you'll be banking on the defensive side of the ball. So that went long. <laughs> a lot of work to do. There's a lot. Yeah. So that point being a lot of work to do. Let's blow through some of this other stuff and get out of here. Um, look, Jay, you've got stats. I do. So let's get in. Jay's got stats. What do you got? I've got obscure stats. Um, okay. So the Bengals have lost three straight games uh, in which they've held their opponent to 20 or fewer. Um, only 15 teams in the Super Bowl era have done it four straight times. So that that's in play this week. The the record is six straight games, six straight losses holding the opponent under twenty points, and that record is held by the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, of course, that was uh, from uh, November of two thousand one to December of two thousand one. Um, not not a fine year in Bengal history. The, the New England Patriots um, in ninety three also had six straight games like that. So if if they get to if they get to four, if they hold Dallas under 21 this week, which very real possibility, the Cowboys have been held under 21 in five of the last six games uh, and still lose. They, I, I mentioned Super Bowl era, but you go back beyond Super Bowl era and you look at the teams that have given up, that have lost four straight games holding teams below 21 points. Um, have you ever heard of any of these teams? The, the Minneapolis Marines. Ooh, no. The Rochester Jeffersons. <laughs> the Columbus Tigers. Wow. The C- Cleveland Indians. The Bo- the Buffalo Bisons. I have heard of them. Precursors to the Bills. And the Duluth Eskimos. Ooh, Duluth, Minnesota? Yeah. That's one wow. of those new cities. I have never heard of that. And then, wow. you know. Pittsburgh's offense is struggling. If they if they somehow get to five straight, uh, then then we're talking about the Hammond Pros. <laughs> what our, our favorite Dayton Triangles? Yeah, the Boston Redskins and <laughs> Brooklyn Tigers and Brooklyn Dodgers. Back when every game was six to four. Yes, exactly. <laughs> these these are all 1920, 1930, 1940. Yeah, evolutions so, in, in offense helped help this stat. That's it's wild. Yeah, I mean you're you're right, but they're I mean they're so helpless on offense. They're so helpless yes. on offense. They, I mean there is no shot. They have they have <laughs> quarterbacks who can't throw it, no ability to run it. They can't protect. Like it's just I don't know I don't know what you do. Like, I mean there and there's it ain't changing. It, you know no nobody's walking through that door. It may only get worse. You, I mean, Ravens and the Steelers are on the deck. Goodness gracious! I mean, it's, it's almost going to be a long month. Chuck it up and hope for pass interference. I mean, it's it's almost <laughs> to that point. I mean, they they just cannot get anything. That you look at. I mean, Giovanni Bernard was one of the highest graded Bengals offensive players last week, and he had five carries for negative or no yards, and that that's. That shows you where the offensive line is right now. It, it's just you're, you're playing the, the last four games are against teams with DVOA of one and seven, Ravens and Steelers, yeah. and twenty four and twenty five. So yes, Houston, Houston and Dallas, they they might have a chance to to put up some points, but I I don't see them it, I, scoring more than twenty one seems like a stretch. So if, if they could if they can hold teams under twenty one, then they they definitely could climb that list of of consecutive losses holding teams under twenty one. Oh man. The Hammond pros. The Duluth it. Eskimos. <laughs> Duluth. There's teams on that list that couldn't even be named and you could not name a team Eskimos these days yeah. or Redskins <laughs> as we well know. Yes. Uh so we've got uh run passer boot we got for you also no growler bet winner. It was too tough. I mean Miami being only 10% on third down was a tough one to to hit. That, that that really that hosed everybody. Nobody got Miami on 10%. I actually had the Bengals on 25% is where where they landed. So dub for me. Uh, however, the Miami 10% was, was hard to call. And so no winners in the growler bet. So sorry. Nobody's even so close <laughs> this week. Um, run, pass, or boot. Uh, you got a good one, Jay. I like this. 
Yeah, it's more, it's kind of a sad stat run passer boot. Um, over the final four games, what will be greater? Bengals total touchdowns, Bengals defensive takeaways, or AJ Green catches. And for reference, over the last, the previous four games, those numbers are five touchdowns, three takeaways, and four AJ catches. Man, it's hard. <laughs> I I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I mean, the, the, the like Brandon Allen, Ryan, they don't even look at AJ Green anymore. There's not even like a, like a peak. No, like it's not even a thought. So, I mean, it's hard to put him up there. But at some point, he's got to get a get a couple of catches. I mean, he's out there for all these snaps. At some point, just by default, he, you throw one to him, right? Like so. Versus, I don't know that they're scoring touchdowns, and I don't know how many takeaways they're going to get. One a game, maybe. So I'm going to say Green. I'll run with Green, even though they don't even look at him. Uh, I'll go takeaways. Uh, I'll pass on and TDs. I'm going to boot. I don't know if these teams scoring. <laughs> They're lucky they play Dallas and, and Houston, but that they ain't scoring against Pittsburgh and the Ravens. At least not. I mean, maybe one. Yeah, I'm close to what you have. I'm going with AJ Green catches too. I just think you, there's a wide receiver screen. You just get the ball to him just for, to, for the fact of getting it to him. I mean, no catches in two straight games, none in three of the last four. There was a play Sunday where Brandon Allen was scrambling and they they showed the end zone camera shot of it. And like AJ, like his responsibility was to sit down in the middle of the zone. And he said, this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm not moving. And, you know, Brandon Allen's trying to extend the play and look and other receivers are breaking off their routes. And AJ's just sitting there waiting for the ball, totally covered. Um, but I, I do think of all the three, he's the one most likely to, to have the most um I'm, I'm gonna go the other way i'm gonna i'm gonna say touchdown i'll run with with uh i'll pass i'm sorry on touchdowns and i'll boot takeaways i mean you get takeaways because of the pass rush and there is none um so i i i, I can see that I, I i don't see baltimore and pittsburgh turning the ball over a lot maybe andy dalton comes in and throws a couple picks um, maybe Houston struggles now that Will Fuller's out, but Deshaun Watson is still really good. Um, so yeah, I'm going to boot the takeaways. Well, I like I like that one. I like that one. I, it's 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 fun, and it won't keep people interested though. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to turn the game on. This I, I I feel people. I feel people. I enjoyed our run passer boot from last week. Uh, was a good one. And it ended up being very close. We, which it was, let's see, it was longest punt or longest field goal or Brandon Allen completion percentage. Brandon Allen completion percentage ended up 58. Good job, Brandon Allen. But I don't think it would have reached that number if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. I, I think it would have gotten worse. Yes. Uh, but so that was, so Brandon Allen's at the most. We saw a 55-yard punt and a 48-yard field goal. So if you if you were playing along at home, that's how that one played out. Very good run passer boot uh, from last week. All right, uh, that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, we hope everybody enjoyed our sort of deep look at next year's roster. Covered a lot of ground. Uh, I, I would say I, maybe you guys weren't ready to go there yet, but I know you are. <laughs> I I know you're deeply ready to go there. I think everybody to my point I said this is like where it's just it's been simulate rest of season on Madden style here for a few weeks now. We've definitely reached the please simulate season or just or just unplug the sticks. This could be this could be pull the sticks out and just, you know, reset game. And when I used to, uh, my buddy and I, when, when I was, uh, I was in my mid twenties and, and, uh, we were, I was living with one of my best friends and we played Madden religiously back in the day and we did franchise mode and you, I don't know if you knew this, but back in the old Madden games, you could do franchise mode and you would go through the draft the next year and do the whole thing. And you, you're basically running the team. And if you do it for 30 years, the game just shuts off. Like that, it doesn't, it can't believe that you are, you have reached 30 years into this franchise. Like it just over, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't know what to do. So it stops itself. You have to start over. Um, we found that out. That's how much we played that. And then, but, you know, you get into, 
I, I got I got teams moved all over the place. Like you just it's at the point where you're either unplugging the sticks or you're moving a team to you know London or to Duluth. You know Duluth. Yeah, Portsmouth. You're just it's just at this point you have no interest in seeing what the rest of these four games look like. Uh, and it's just time to it's it's time to simulate the season. I think that's where everybody's at with it. So we did, and move forward to 2021. Hope people enjoyed the look at that. Much more into the into the Dalton Bowl and Dallas, and more about the sort of the news of the week will be coming on the Growler. We'll have John Machada joining us from our uh, from our Dallas bureau, if you will. And uh, reminder: buy one, gift one deal going on right now. You go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling go there and you can buy one for yourself gift one to somebody else for free and so we'd love for you to take advantage of that deal join us we'd love to have you so thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you on the growler have a good one everybody